Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Connor. You know, at the time we're recording this, uh, even though we, it's always a few months later that people hear these episodes after we record them, uh, you and I uh, just met up in person last yes. week at Freedom Fest. We see one another, I don't know, once or twice a year, I feel like, yeah. at different mm-hmm. conferences and things. And so we were there at Freedom Fest. It's this conference for, I don't know, lovers of freedom, uh, hence the name. And uh, and so also at the time we're recording this, fairly recently, not too long ago, there was a news story that came out talking about uh, college and what college admissions look like, how, how people are accepted into college. Now, you and I don't usually encourage kids to go to college if it doesn't make <laughs> sense for them. And, you know, we worked on the book Skip College that, uh, that people can check out on Amazon to kind of explain that in a bit more detail. Um, and we've talked about it a lot. But if you do decide to go to college, you know, you got to apply for the school. They look at your grades. They look at the activities you did after school, the clubs you joined, what activities you were involved with. They're, they're trying to see if you will be a good fit for their college, right? And so, you know, your hard, your hard work, your good grades, all these accomplishments, sometimes that's called merit. Like, what have you earned? What have you accomplished in your life to prove to someone else like the folks that work at this college, that you deserve this the spot? Why should they give it to you rather than all the other people applying to get in? And that, in theory, is how uh, you should be able to get into a good school. Is It's competitive, and they want to be selective and have the right people join the school. But, you know, decades ago, after the civil rights movement, um, there, you know, you had all these Black Americans that were fighting for equal rights. And, uh, and rightly so, because there was a lot of uh, kind of racism and how different laws and policies were structured. But around then is when some things started to change with colleges and how they apply, how they admitted people who were applying to college. But so before we dive into that, uh, you know, you and I were at Freedom Fest and it was in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I had never been there before. Had you ever been there before? No, and I probably will not go back. <laughs> I was just about to say that. So you stole my thunder. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, no, that's great. Once in a life, I call it a once in a lifetime opportunity. I, I only need to go there once. But I don't know if you probably didn't have time because I know you had to head out to something else after Brittany. But I was able to go to the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis. And, you know, maybe some of the kids will think I'm silly for sharing this story or the parents will roll their eyes. But, uh, I, I was with a, a group of kind of colleagues and friends and we say, hey, we're going to the Civil Rights Museum. I'm like, OK, you know, and I didn't I didn't look into it. I didn't research it. And so we go and we're standing out front waiting for our, our tour guide. And I, I look to the right. And I'm like, why is there a, an apartment complex attached to a museum? That's kind of really weird. And a couple of them turned to me and they're like, Connor, that's where Martin Luther King was assassinated. Oh my goodness. I forgot that was in Memphis. <laughs> yeah, like, I had I had no idea I had forgotten or never learned. And and I mean, obviously I, I know about that event, but I didn't know it was in Memphis and I didn't know that this museum had been. So they, they literally built a museum around and inside the old apartment complex. And you can walk in there and see. I thought it was know, a motel. Was it a, was it an apartment? Uh, you, you're, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It was not. Uh, sorry, I'm saying apartment complex. I'm saying that wrong. It was Lorraine Motel is what it was called. Okay. So, um, so yes, it was a motel. Thanks for correcting me. 
But it was a fascinating museum seeing all of this stuff that, you know, King and other of his associates were were fighting for. A century earlier, the 14th Amendment had been passed after the Civil War. But all these years later, Black Americans were still not being treated equally. There were all these laws that were requiring them to have, you know, separate uh, sections of the bus, separate drinking fountains, separate times swimming in a pool, separate, 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 separate. And the Supreme Court had even said, oh, hey, we're going to, you know, in America, we'll have it be separate but equal. So you have equal rights. You you have equality. We're just going to separate you from white people. Right. So these are sometimes called Jim Crow laws where you have this very unfair kind of uh, approach. And so when people like Martin Luther King Jr. was starting to like change people's hearts and minds and show them that uh, that, you know, racial discrimination was wrong, people wanted to begin more than equality. And this is where things get dangerous. They wanted let me kick it over to you, Brittany. One word that comes to mind or one thing that comes to mind is reparations. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what do we mean when we talk about reparations? Yeah, well, the way it went into effect after the Civil War is, um, I think it was $20,000. Am I getting the right? Am I thinking of Japanese-American uh, reparations? Am I getting that wrong? Maybe. I think I might be getting it wrong. So repar- let me just talk about the concept of reparations. That would be like giving somebody a sum of money for something that happened a long time ago. So there are people right now that are pushing for reparations. So that would be like you and I, Connor, taxpayers today, giving money to people who's great, great, great grandfathers were slaves in America to, to make up for what happened in the past. Yeah. So that's yep. what a reparation is. Yeah. And so it's this idea that, hey, this racism happened a long time ago and it was unfair. And and so here today, years later, generations later, here are, are the you know grandchildren and the great grandchildren of, the, of these people who suffered. So they should be treated uh, differently. Now, during King's Day, they were fighting for equality under the law, no matter your skin color. Uh, but today, a lot of these people who take up this, this racism banner, they're not fighting for equality. They're fighting for something. We've talked about this a little bit before called equity. In other words, they, they don't want to just have an equal shot. They want uh, to be given benefits and favors so that they can get a leg up because they say, oh, hey, we've suffered from this system for a long time that's helped white people. So black people need a leg up so that we can then have you know, equality. So they call that equity. And this happened with colleges. So the colleges after, you know, and uh, after the civil rights era, uh, when everyone was pushing for more equality and then more favorable treatment, they started changing the rules of how they apply uh, or how they admit people to come to the college. So they stopped looking just at merit, like who got the best grades, who worked the hardest, who was involved in the most clubs, all these things. They started to also look at your race and they were using your, your ethnicity, your, your race, your, uh, you know, your, your heritage. They were using that to determine in part, I mean, they weren't ignoring people's grades, but, but they were uh, giving people a boost and a better shot, even if they had worse grades, if say they were black, just because they happened to have this skin color. And so they called this affirmative action. And, and the idea was that it would make up for the past, but all, I, I think all affirmative action really does is you're treating people differently because of their race. Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about, hey, you know, equality and no matter the skin color, let's be colorblind. And he was trying to fight racism by saying, let's not factor race into anything. Let's just look at people's, you know, contributions and merit and everything. 
But today, the, the legacy of the civil rights movement, many of these people, like with affirmative action in the colleges, they, they want to be treated differently, specifically because of their race. So, so Brittany, take us into a little bit more depth on affirmative action. What are some of the challenges or problems if we have a, this whole kind of college system that's built around affirmative action? And then maybe in a few minutes, we'll get into this new court case that recently happened. Yeah, well, one thing I want to point out that I did not know, Connor, until recently is that when the courts ruled that affirmative action was like legal, that you could do it, um, it had a time limit. It didn't have an exact like date, but they basically said this isn't supposed to last forever. It's only until we feel like things have evened out kind of thing like that. Like it was never supposed to keep going. But here we are years and years and years and decades later, and it's still happening. So one of the really interesting people that has spoken out against affirmative action um, is Thomas Sowell, who was a black economist. And he has a lot of really interesting things to say because he grew up, well, I think he recently passed, but he grew up very, very poor and still raised himself, you know, up through the school system and got into a good college. And one thing I think is very interesting is he warned against getting rid of this thing called merit to get people into schools because what happens is is they, they you know, look at your race instead of like your grades. And so they'll let you into school, but maybe you weren't quite ready for how rigorous that school curriculum was going to be, like the lessons you learned, and then you fell behind. And then it, it almost kind of proves what people say, which is like the, like really bad racist people who would say like, well, you're not, you, you know, you're not smart enough to be here, stuff like that. And so it's it's actually really harmful for a lot of reasons. And Thomas Sowell, he quoted it much better than I did, but he said that he talked about that a lot. So it does harm to some students who may not be ready for it. It does harm to the students who studied really hard. Um, there's a lot of uh, anti-American Asian stuff going on right now in in a high school in Virginia, actually, because they changed their admissions policy specifically to keep Asian admissions lower. So they wanted to keep Asian students out of their school because they said that they um, – that they study harder and that they are like taking spots away from other minorities, from like black and Hispanic people, which I think is really interesting because it's basically, it's not even saying that we need to help out minorities. It's saying some minorities are, are less important than other minorities. And what it's really doing, Connor, is it's, it's grouping people up and instead of looking at their individual merits, it's saying, well, let's, let's give this you know group a leg up and let's keep this one down. So it's very, it's very, very weird what it does. Well, and you point out that uh, the Asian Americans, that's a good segue into this lawsuit. So there was a group of Asian Americans who filed a lawsuit to challenge their college's admission uh, practice and go after uh, some uh, go after go after this policy and say, hey, this is wrong and this unfairly targets you know Asian Americans. And and it's interesting because when we think about affirmative action, when we think about this type of racism and, and how people treat racism, it's often presented literally in black and white terms, right? Black people and white people. It's oh, white people have been ahead and they've been the oppressors, and black people have been behind and they've been the victims. And so we need to let the black people get ahead or, or catch up. Uh, but the Asian Americans throw a wrench in that whole uh, kind of narrative or the, the way that that's presented because they are often punished similarly to or worse than white people. A lot of uh, you know Asian culture and family, they're, they're very studious. They're very focused on, on you know, their schoolwork and their studying. And so Asian kids often excel academically. 
they've got good grades. They've got really good work ethic. They're, they're very studious and do their homework and extra credit and all of that. And obviously I'm speaking generally, but when you look at the trends, it, it's very true. And so just as white people are being held back to give you know, black people a boost, Asian Americans often are being held back even more because they're kind of at the top of, of the performers. And so when you look at a lot of these colleges where kids are trying to apply, you see that uh, you can, let's say if you're black, you can get in with C's you know, on your report card. But then there's all these Asian kids who have straight A's and all this other amazing stuff, you know, joining clubs and volunteering and all the things. And it is very, very, very hard for them to get in despite uh, excelling. And so these, these guys, these Asian Americans filed a lawsuit. And recently, uh, the, the United States Supreme Court issued a ruling where they agreed with these Asian Americans. And, and Brittany, I want to get your thoughts on this. So the, the, the court kind of overturned affirmative action. They said, hey, we're not doing this anymore. You can't. Uh, you know, let's focus on merit and, and ignore the color of people's skin. And now you've got Harvard and these other universities that are going to try and wiggle around the court ruling and still do what they want and, and, and so forth. But what I find very interesting is that when the court ruling came out, and again, it's Asian American plaintiffs, the, the people who were suing, the, the news articles that would come out would again paint this all in black and white ter uh, terms. And even though the, the Asian Americans were the one leading the charge and they're literally the, the subject of the lawsuit. I saw a bunch of news articles that hardly and sometimes never at all mentioned that Asian Americans were being punished more than white people under the system. And so to your point, it's, it's not a question of minorities. It's just some minorities are more favored than others. What's your reaction to that, Brittany? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I think it also ignores the history um, uh, that, that there was a lot of discrimination against Asian Americans too back in the day. And a lot of these students who were um, suing, they actually are, are what is it, first generation uh, kids, which means their parents were immigrants to this country. So these aren't a bunch of, you know, rich kids that are mad about getting into a school. These are kids whose parents moved here specifically so that they could give their kids more opportunities. And a lot of them are, are very poor and they they work really hard to give their kids what they have. So it's very sad because we're seeing um, the American dream, you know, as they call it, kind of being squashed for this this push for equity. So it's it's pretty sad, but I, I think the court got it right. Yeah, I think the court did get it right. And now we will see what the effects are going to be if the colleges will comply or if they're going to try and weasel around it. But I think it's an important conversation because – uh, it, it's very odd that the people like the, the, the people who see themselves as fighting for civil rights today in the in the shadows of Martin Luther King Jr. are doing the exact opposite of what he was saying. He was talking about colorblindness and judging a man by, you know, his quality of his character. Right. And, and not uh, the color of his skin. And yet too many people today, like with these types of policies, are so focused on these superficial attributes rather than substantive things inside of us, like what, uh, what value we can create and what our character is and, and what we know and what we can do. And so for the kids listening, right, like your skin color doesn't matter, white, black, tan, brown, purple, I, I don't care, right? Martin Luther King was right on this aspect. We need to focus on merit. Uh, it's the, in the Road to Serfdom book that we have, right? We talk about how it's important to have these contributions, to work hard, to produce something and not live at the expense of everybody else and expect them to 
benefit you. You have to work hard. You have to build yourself up. And I, I think that's a good message to build a good life on rather than this victim mentality of, oh, my ancestors suffered. Therefore, you need to give me free things. It's just backwards. And we need to uh, we need to talk about it. And we need to stop it. And thankfully, the court ruling is uh, going to help us in that direction. Uh, guys, tuttletwins.com slash podcast if you need to check up uh, and catch up, I should say, with any past episodes. Thank you for listening. Please share the word. If there's another family that should be listening to the podcast, bring them along, share the link. Appreciate you guys listening. Brittany, great talking as always. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out tuttletwins.com for more awesome content.